Hello listeners of the Rainbow Shots podcast. This is Sergey Lenin, the secret child of Vladimir Lenin. Well, grandchild, I guess. And today's topic on this podcast is going to be the Russian-Ukraine conflict. While Mikhail Gorbachev did not have the stomach to bring the end to capitalism, it seems like Vladimir Putin, a great child of the Soviet Union, intends to take the mantle and drag the world to chaos. And I am all here for it so long as the vodka keeps flowing and the bullshit keeps happening. Alright, we appreciate that, Sergey. Um, I'm not doing this podcast under duress. It uh, was suggested to me by a good friend of mine. And uh, it's actually a topic that we can go extremely in-depth in. So, this might be a little bit of a slightly longer episode than normal. If not, then hey, maybe I was wrong. But, um, so let's get let's get right down into the meat of it. But first, we do have a commercial break. That's right. We have sponsors. Episode 3, we have sponsors. So, we're going to pass it over to those sponsors real quick. And then when we come back, we'll get right into it. Hello to all of you peasants out there, this is the British Museum, and we have a new offer that we would like to inform you of. The pawn shop that once was a genocide factory is now welcoming you with payments for your items. I am Sir Robert Himley, Morrison Chastain, Evans Peters, Hastings III. But you can just call me the Duke. We are welcoming all forms of items to the British Museum. Religious, cultural, knickknacks, and paddywax. Bring them all and we will offer you nine pounds and seven shillings for it. So long as you agree to never have or see the item again unless you visit our museums. The British Museum of the Modern Day carries out cultural appropriation and theft the right way, through legal binding agreements, and enough for you to go and get something from our gift shop or some fish and chips on your way the hell out of the country, because we do not need more immigrants. I close by stating the obvious, God save the King, King Charles. Brexit was a good idea, and honestly, Boris Johnson was a bumbling fucking fool. Want to determine if the person you're about to get involved with is a psycho? Before getting in depth, hire the one and only Psycho Check Services. Our qualified psychoanalyst agents have watched enough true crime and unsolved mysteries to turn themselves into psychos, able to spot one in a guaranteed five seconds or your money back. It takes a psycho to find a psycho. Just woke up after some random sex and spot them pouring milk first, then the cereal? You don't need to call us, you already know. Overheard them talking about how they are fine and life is great with no struggle? 
call us and we will let you know if you're dating a psycho or a spoiled brat that you can eliminate later on for life insurance money and inheritance. Is your girl or boyfriend a redhead and want to know if they are a psycho or at least have a soul? Call us and we're on it. Notice they have no problem wearing two different brands of socks. You need us. Do they not wipe after peeing to get the excess? You're possibly about to enter a binding situation with a psycho, and you need to know. And lastly, if you are using our services, you will receive a permanent psycho bumper sticker on us for free because you are too a psycho. All right, cool, cool. So we do have some sponsors. Hope you guys check them out. Please don't actually check them out. If you do, you're an idiot. But uh, let's get to the meat and bones, right? So our topic today is the Russian-Ukraine conflict. First question probably is, you know, how it started. How did we get here? So it begins more or less with President Bush, which is a long, long time ago. A lot of us don't remember. And... Honestly, I don't even know if it got a lot of coverage when, you know, these attempts to more or less kind of suggest NATO let Ukraine in or at least the EU was uttered and pushed by President Bush. And this created a domino effect that has led us to where we are today. Russia has been taking L's more or less since the fall of the Soviet Union. Okay, it's not like true democratic people formulated the government there in the fall of the Soviet Union. It was capitalist owners gobbling up all the nationalized industries. It was a who you know and how much money you got type of game. And so a lot of the lesser people did not have the the know-how, the money, or the connections. And so Russia more or less was taken over by what we now call the oligarchs. Who kind of had Boris Yeltsin a little bit under their boot. But then Vladimir Putin came along and Vladimir Putin was not for it. He wasn't going to be controlled. Instead, he turned the tables. He turned the tables, replaced the people he couldn't convince to follow his way. And here we are. But the whole Ukraine and NATO slash EU attempts is what led us to this war. Yes, Vladimir Putin was insane for invading Ukraine, which, by the way, technically they don't call it an invasion in Russia. They call it the special military operation. Just like, uh, I don't know, America with Vietnam. You know, just like uh, America and the United Nations with Korea. It's not a war, but it's a special military operation, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. If you've got boots on the fucking ground and are killing people. But it all started back with those first utterings and pushes by the Bush administration on their way out, by the way. Motherfucker was getting out the bed. It was already messy. And he decided to turn and take a big ass Texas shit on the whole thing. Now, back then, Ukraine was run by more or less Russian puppet leaders because the whole concept of the Cold War is over. It's true, but 
the battlefield is kind of still there. Russia's just not as strong in playing it anymore. So, there was attempts by the EU and NATO to slowly coax Ukraine, you know, into into integrating with them somehow. Now, it wasn't that aggressive for NATO because France and I think Germany or Poland were like, no, this is a bad idea because this is just going to do nothing but provoke Russia. And like, yes, the Soviet Union fell, but it was it didn't fall with like a war where like all their military resources were like lost. Right. It just kind of fizzled out, which is the best way that could have ended. It is. It's the best way it could have ended, the fizzling out. But you got to remember all the resources of military assets that the Russians put together is still there. It's still there. So France and several other countries in NATO were just like, look, there's a bad idea. This is going to provoke them. We don't need this. But the EU, on the other hand, the EU has been trying to make economic integration with Ukraine for a while. Okay, and they propose deals, deals that the Russian puppet leaders of Ukraine quite often deny. But then in 2014, the EU made like basically one of its biggest deals where they were basically just like a full on economic integration with Ukraine. And the man who was president at the time president i'm butchering the hell out of this president yanukovych i think that that's probably how a russian would say it i feel like so he denied that deal in february 2014 and it created such an uproar in ukraine because ukraine's historically a poor country over the past like 60 or so years it's basically not been a wealthy nation it's just kind of been used for its resources. So the Ukrainian people wanted this deal because it, it meant a lot of economic opportunity, access to the European markets with ease. So when he denied this, he more or less made himself an enemy of pretty much the state, despite being the state. And he was forced to flee in February 2014. This created a vacuum that Vladimir Putin exploited. Because just a month later, a month later, the Crimean crisis erupted. And while technically Russians weren't involved, they basically just pulled a CIA, armed some groups, sent in some advisors that just so happened to also put on the uniforms of those who were the armed groups and then kind of kick the small Ukrainian defense forces asses in the crime in Crimea and then kick them out. Okay, and this created just a domino effect from there where it took several kind of negotiations and actions that led to more or less the annexation of Crimea. It didn't actually like solve things and because war was technically not declared there was no need per se for a peace agreement. And there really wasn't any reconciliation of the Crimean matter. So much so that Ukraine cut off the water flow to Crimea, right? Because as far as they were concerned, if you're gonna take the area, you should be able to take care of it. You should be able to feed its people. You should be able to provide its people with water. 
There was attempts to, you know, bring peace uh, the following year with the Minsk Accords. Didn't work out so well because more or less it told Russia kind of like to F off and was basically Ukraine gets all their stuff back. Obviously, that's not going to work with uh, someone like Vladimir Putin. Like that would be like if someone took Florida and then they could have easily invaded the rest of the eastern coast of the United States. And we came to a peace agreement table and told them, okay, you beat our ass, but you got to hand us everything back. It's just not going to happen. Which, to be honest, if someone took Florida, I say we let them keep it. Just saying. Because Florida man is a thing. And fuck that. But um, it kind of staled out for a few years, right? And you got Vladimir Zelensky getting elected democratically uh, for the country of Ukraine. And Putin was still, he was still gearing and roaring, right? Because the reality is this. We weren't going to stop trying to integrate Ukraine. That's, that's what capitalism does. And Ukraine's a very, very significant key market for several reasons, especially for Europe and especially for the Middle East. Ukraine produces a shit ton of grain, a crap ton. It, it is one of the largest grain producers on planet earth and it always has been always always has been and you're just like that's not fucking oil that's not i don't know nickel that's not gold it's not diamonds why why is grain so important well grain is so important because europe doesn't really have much arable land for growing it the Middle East doesn't really have much arable land for growing it. We here in America, we don't give a shit. The Midwest is growing everything we fucking need. Potatoes, grain, everything. But Europe and the Middle East, majority of their grain comes from one country. Like 70% of their grain comes from Ukraine. There's millions and millions and millions and millions of people who owe the loaf of bread that they cut to make a peanut butter jelly sandwich to one fucking country. A country that many of them probably would never ever visit, probably have never ever heard of until this war started, and probably don't even know what the citizens of the country look like. So, Putin never kind of backed down right from this entire situation he wanted to ensure ukraine could never enter nato or or any type of eu agreement without his say so without russia's benefit more or less so putin's always had his eye on whatever ukraine does he's always had his eye on whatever any of the former uh soviet states did or any states on his border. He's always had his eye on it, always had his hand in it. And this is kind of his sphere of influence, right? America has its sphere of influence. You know, no one's supposed to do anything in South America without our say-so, supposedly. And by supposedly, I mean, yeah, no one's supposed to do it because that's the way sphere of influences work for sovereign states, especially empire-level states, right? So he's always had his eye on the situation. But Ukraine, especially Zelensky, has 
noticed its clear corruption issues, right? And its economic dilapidation and inability to properly provide for a lot of its citizens. So they've been trying to improve themselves economic wise. And the best option for that was EU. But they knew that in order to you know, make these economic deals with the EU, they also had to get involved with NATO because it was going to mean they need protection. So when Yanukovych did what he did, denying the EU deal, and got thrown out of the country more or less, then Zelensky comes in, the Crimean crisis, the failed Minsk Accords, and Zelensky was just like, we, it's clear, we gotta solidify ourselves into something bigger than us. So he was continuously trying. He wasn't doing it openly. He wasn't doing it just willy-nilly. He was continuously trying. But this is the world of... This is this is the geopolitical game. You can't be that important and make a move that no one doesn't notice. Especially Putin. And he did not want NATO on his border. At all. If Ukraine comes into NATO, the whole purpose of NATO... And, and he's right in this situation... The whole purpose of NATO is to control and contain Russia. That's its purpose now, is control and contain Russia. Not the Soviet Union, not any of the Soviet bloc states, but Russia. Because there's no reason NATO should still be a thing. NATO was a Cold War invention. It was all the democratic West states versus all the Soviet bloc red states in the East. That's the whole purpose it was started. So why is it still around when the Cold War ended? It's still around because it allows America kind of control over some affairs of Europe, but also allows European nations to say, hey, we might not spend a shit ton on our military, but if you attack us, guess what? There's an article in the NATO treaty that means if you attack us, big bad America is coming for your ass. Our military might not scare you, but I know damn sure for well theirs does. And which, you know, the EU kind of changed that a little bit because the EU kind of has its own military connections and it's it's a solidified membership as well to the level of NATO. But the EU has a right to exist. NATO does not have a right to still exist, but it does. And it was pushing upon the target. Its entire existence is based off of controlling, if not eliminating so Putin was going to always make a move if any border state ever tried to join NATO that was big enough, that was important enough. And a lot of these border states kind of stuck to this like habitual norm of just keep things cool, don't join anything. You can create some economic ties, but just keep, keep the status quo. But Ukraine just could not do that because economically, it did not have the capacity to improve itself. So it was attempting to do that because when your biggest export is agriculture in today's world, you might think, oh, if you're providing 70% of the grain across the world, you got to be rolling in the fucking money. No, you're not. It's grain. Sure, everything just about that you eat at some point probably has some grain involved into it 
but that doesn't mean it's a high income resource. It's not gold. It's not nickel. It's not oil. It's not diamonds. It's not avocado. It's not fucking Nutella. It's grain. That's all it is. We've been eating it for centuries and centuries and centuries. It's not the coca leaf. It's not anything of high value, even in its massive amount of export from Ukraine. So with Putin keeping his eyes on it and with Zelensky's actions and attempts to get Ukraine into the EU, this is where we, we, we more or less got led to. So Putin was being proactive. Right. He was like, I'm not even going to wait until this becomes a defensive war. And he had reasons why he couldn't wait until this becomes a defensive war. Because Russia is on a steady decline. By population numbers, cultural instances, societal instances, it's on a decline. Economically, it's on a decline. It, it, it is. Their biggest export and main money provider is oil. Oil and gas. Kind of, you know, same market, same area, kind of. Mostly gas. When you have one specific export, it's kind of a mirror of Ukraine, right? You have one big export that drives everything. If that export gets cut off economically, you're dead in the water. If that export has a price change that happens as a result of something halfway across the world, one that you can't control and it makes it worse, you're dead in the water. So he couldn't afford to just sit back and be defensive. He decided to take a proactive action. So this police action was the proactive action and we knew it was coming we did we had i'd say probably about five six months warning that this was coming because in the latter half of 2021 uh biden and his administration kind of loosened restraints on the information sharing of intelligence regarding that entire sphere of the world solely so that way it can become clear worldwide that russia was gearing up for this invasion in the hopes that enough backlash from the rest of the world would kind of push him away from this. But again, Putin's mind was made up. It was set. Dude was going to make this move. It just, it was just a matter of when. That's it. They got through the cold Russian winter, waited for that to pass in at the sign of the first spring. We made our move. So he invades Ukraine. And in the beginning, it kind of worked out. But that's going to be the case in any invasion, right? Especially when, you know, there were sources in the Ukrainian government that were trying to die down the fears, dampen down the problem and 
to everyone around the world it was just like there's no fucking way he invades ukraine that's just stupid he's gonna turn the whole world against him if he invades ukraine again putin's mind was set and when you were that powerful and your mind is set there ain't a damn thing on planet earth that could change you from your course except for ultimate failure that's it ultimate failure so the first few months like i said it did kind of okay got all the way to ukraine and then shit just went wrong because the entire world basically condemned this launched sanctions except for like china and a f not many other major countries kind of stuck alongside or remained neutral in voice but most of the big countries of the world kind of rejected what he did so the economic sanctions came and then also massive massive economic support and military support to ukraine by the west massive this is the largest war that europe has seen since 1945 and what war was that world war ii that's how big this is so the west through all its might excluding actual bodies and declarations of war behind ukraine okay and russia this in russia this isn't popular this action isn't popular at all in russia putin doesn't have the same support he had with say like crimea he doesn't have the same support he had with the chechnyan matter he doesn't have the same support he has he had with with the conflicts in georgia on this he doesn't and this is evidenced by the factor of as they started taking losses like a like just like a motherfucker I think I remember seeing it somewhere that there was run one Russian soldier dying every five minutes or being wounded and taken out of action every five minutes in the Ukraine. I think it was I want to say it was during like June or July. Like that's how bad it was. That's Vietnam style numbers and they're there by month six. So it got bad and the, the people of Russia do not support this war. They don't. The same way a lot of Americans didn't support continuation of the war in Afghanistan, but we don't really have control over it because our leaders do. Okay? So I mean obviously they supported pretty much any daggone war in the few couple of years following 9-11, but you know, the war in Iraq and Afghanistan very much lost support very quickly when Kind of the purpose of being there was completely lost and it's the same thing with russia russian people do not see a purpose in invading ukraine they don't understand it and there isn't anything really to understand other than the factor of it's the west kind of pushing against putin's power base because otherwise it's not it's not a big deal like the EU economic deal is not a big deal. It's just, this is Putin's backyard. This is his power base. And he's insane for invading Ukraine. But 
you know, he did what he thought was right. So as he starts taking these L's, he launches conscription, right? And Russian males are running out of the country as fast as they fucking can. As soon as this was announced, they were out. They were out. As soon as the conscription was announced, dudes packed up their entire homes into their cars or onto their backs and were heading for the nearest border country. Excluding Belarus, because Belarus is another puppet state of Vladimir Putin, its leader, more or less does whatever Vladimir says. And they are also involved in this war by allowing Russia to invade from there and also providing medical support and military support and economic support to Russia. But that's beyond the point. Russian males dipped as soon as conscription was announced. They were just like, eh, you know, Vlad is going to do what he's going to do so long as i'm not involved i don't give a shit they weathered the economic sanctions all these companies closing their doors and pulling out and saying hey we'll be back whenever this is over and this and that they kind of weathered all that but then when vlad was just like here is ak-47 go kick some ass they were just like yeah we are not the russians of world war ii you know and this kind of isn't a war to defend the mother country. This is this is war you are using to oppress a fellow Slavic people. So I don't feel like dying because it seems like you're getting your ass handed to you. I'm going to go to Latvia. I'm going to go to Finland. I'm going to go to Norway, Georgia. Hell, I might even go to China just for the time being. But you have fun, Vlad. You have fun. They dipped. If that isn't a sign that no one supports this war, I don't know what else you can get. They dipped. And all of this stuff has led to Putin constantly throwing out the threat of nukes. Okay? Constantly. He's just like, if anyone in the West gets involved, I'm going to nuke you. I will do it. Which is insane, right? You're mad. You're losing the fight you started. So you're just like, fuck it. I will end the world. Because that's what's going to happen. Even if it's tactical nukes. If you say, oh, if it's tactical nukes, it won't be that big of a deal. Bullshit. Did you now hear what I'm saying? If Ukraine even gets a slight tactical nuke. We are talking about a large portion of the world's grain supply suddenly becoming impossible to produce. We are talking about long-term impacts from nuclear fallout in that region and the surrounding countries for decades. Decades. And if you don't, if that's not enough, we're talking about what could easily equate to hundreds of thousands if not millions of people dying of which majority of them will not be soldiers they'll be innocent civilians so bush's comments way back in 08 and suggestions way back in 08 have led to a domino effect that has led us to the point of 
we could actually have a nuke used in war once again. Legitimately, we could actually have one. And people are saying, it's a tactical nuke. It's not going to be that big of a deal. It is a nuke. It's a nuke. Not that big of a deal is bullshit. There's a reason that they test these nukes in deserts where life will never, ever, ever, ever be possible. Or out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean where the nearest island is like 2,000 miles away. Because it's a nuke. And things are only getting worse. We're only pushing it more because the whole pipeline incidents where they've been shut down or European Western countries have stopped, decided to stop buying gas from Russia or limited the supply they were going to buy. And so the cost of this war, the cost of Bush's little push is growing more and more and more and more every single day. So can it be stopped? Well, yes and no. So there is going to be a humanitarian crisis this winter in a lot of places. Ukraine first, obviously, because Russia has been targeting a lot of their infrastructure. It's going to be a cold winter in Ukraine. When they say winter is coming from Game of Thrones, Ukraine is literally about to say, hold my fucking beer. Europe is going to have a cold Europe because they're not getting the gas they need to heat their homes, especially Germany. The largest economic power in the EU is about to have one cold, cold winter because they practically aren't getting any more oil at all. And they were the outside of the after the US, they were like the second largest supplier of weapons, money, vehicles, etc., and whatnot to Ukraine in their fight so you already know they got the eye of putin aiming at them he wants them to hurt and they're going to hurt the middle east is going to struggle especially places like afghanistan where governments are not stable and aren't exactly entirely competent and they now can't get the primary food source of grain that they normally would have gotten from ukraine because it's not as simple as tomorrow there's a peace agreement and the farmers get back out. The harvest is ruined. It's ruined for probably the next two, three years. It's ruined. Even if there was peace tomorrow, there is going to be a severe grain shortage for Europe and the Middle East for probably the next two, three years. So there is a lot of after effects that are gonna come from this. Even if there was a peace tomorrow, there's a lot of trouble that's going to come from this war in Ukraine just in this winter alone and you know capitalist companies over here are going to increase their prices you know your box of frosty flakes because they're great is going to go up because they use grain even though america gets most of its grain from america so even you're going to feel it here in a world that has nothing to fucking do with us even you're going to feel it not to mention the economic disruption this entire war has caused 
to that part of the world and more or less the whole world. Russia's future is forever altered. It's not going to be the same. It's probably going to go for more decline. But the reality is it's also at this point up to the Russian people's hands. Because Putin has already looked down the barrel of the gun and the trigger's already been pulled. How quickly does the the proverbial shot of his eventual overthrow get to him? Well, that's dependent on them. But this is one of the first times we've seen significant kickback, right? Significant kickback from the Russian people to Vladimir Putin and what he's doing. Even if it was coerced, they've usually always kind of just been a majority of support. But this is the first time where it's he's having to use basically police forces everywhere and security apparatuses from the state everywhere to keep hold of things while he's also losing a war. So there is a chance that the Russian people could, could solve this. There's also some small external things that we could do. America could do. That NATO could do. One of those is one that, I mean, it sucks. It's going to, you know, kind of maybe even leave this problem unanswered. But that is promising Ukraine's neutrality. Keeping them, promising to keep them out of NATO. As far as the EU thing, I mean, at this point, when the war is over, if Ukraine is able to pull this off and Russia removes Putin or Putin just doesn't do the nuclear option and just takes the L, which, like I said, is unlikely. I think that Ukraine could probably get their economic packages from EU within due time. I do, because at this point, if they don't, then what was all this for? And at that point, also, Russia will be so humiliated that there's nothing they could do. So these are kind of our ways out. These are the issues and the struggles that we're about to have to face, are facing, and will face in the future in regards to this entire conflict. And the scariest part to me is that we're still like in the middle road. We haven't reached the exit, the off ramp. And the scariest part is we don't know which exit or off ramp we're going to take. Because if it goes to nukes, I mean, is that another domino chain that falls? All because Bush said something or suggested something? What if Putin gets overthrown during the war and the, the then you got like a succession crisis between his oligarchies and whoever they want and the guy that was the biggest challenger Putin's ever had. I can't remember the guy's name, but he's in jail right now because he stupidly decided to fly. I can't believe I can't remember where, but it was somewhere where the plane had to go over Russian airspace and or Belarusian airspace. And the Belarus government, which is a Russian puppet government, forced the plane to land and took the guy off board and then handed him over to Russia. So now he's in jail. 
didn't do anything wrong. It's just he was the largest challenger Putin's ever faced. So that's where we're at. We don't know. We don't know where the last domino will fall and how loud the collapse will be. We don't. And there's already been a a shit ton of of just loss from this entire conflict. There has been a massive whopping amount of death, destruction, and chaos. And a lot of that is, you know, it's damage that can't be repaired without more of it. And that's the shitty thing about war or special military operations or police actions is you spurn destruction and expect it not to kick you back. And that's that's really where we're at right now is we don't know where the off ramp is. We know where we are, but we don't know where the off ramp is. And Putin's hand is on the wheel. And we can only hope and pray that the Russian people take his hand off the wheel before he does something stupid. And you can only continue to support the Russian people in their defense. As best as you can. And the same bankrupt your company or your country or whatever. I don't think America should do that just to support the defense. But at the end of the day, this is an unjust war. And I think it's also going to have an unjust ending. So I appreciate you guys listening on another episode of the Rando Shots podcast. I'm your host, Rando Shot. You can find us on uh, rsss.com and Spotify. Don't forget to vote. Don't forget to stay informed. Don't forget to stay safe. Appreciate you for listening. Have a good night. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever time of day you're listening to this and it is ending. Peace.